Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. Welcome to episode 24 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I get to let you know that looking at my Libsyn stats, Libsyn is the website that I use to host this podcast, I noticed that we just went over the 50,000 download mark. And that makes me so happy and grateful for you and your support. Honestly, when I put together this podcast, I was hoping a few people outside of my immediate family would listen and benefit from discussing a different way of connecting to food than the other food podcasts out there. And wow, you have helped me to make this show a success for those who are hoping to reconnect um, and to find a new way to relate to food. And I'm so excited for the next 50,000 downloads or the next 25 episodes. Um, I'm just really excited to continue to do this work. And today we have a letter from someone who is kind of newer into mindful eating. And I also have a letter that is someone who's done some work with food that I wanted to share with you. Um, So actually two letters, a bonus, I guess we could call it. And, um, you know, the the letter today that we're going to be reading and discussing is for someone who is experiencing mindful eating and also what she would call mindless eating. Um, And I am someone for the last few years, I've really resisted using the word mindful eating to describe the type of work I do with um, clients because... I feel like there's this kind of absolute connotation with mindful eating that feels pretty darn close to a diet, Um, that mindful eating is when we are only eating when we're hungry and stopping when we're full, that there's a right and a wrong way, which is when you think about mindfulness and its roots, uh, mindfulness is something that is um, non-judgmentally compassionate and aware. And um, so when we describe mindful eating in this way that is quite judgy, um, it doesn't feel correct to me. Yet um, last year, I was invited by Dr. Susan Albers to do um, her Mindful Eating Summit 2.0. And it was a lot of fun. And it really made me want to go ahead and just start using mindful eating again. But the way that me and some other colleagues are going to be describing mindful eating is using compassion as the basis. So you are going to hear me using it more um, because I think we need to reclaim it <laughs> and um, make sure that this that non-judgmental kind of curiosity is paramount to it instead of these black and white rules. Um, so before we get to that letter, I wanted to read um, this kind of bonus letter that I got um, from someone who's been doing a lot of work with food. And her letter struck me as unique because it doesn't necessarily need a response from food, but I wanted to read it to you because, you know, you may be in a place where your relationship with food feels messy and chaotic and like it may never um, get to the place where it feels peaceful. And so I want to read it to you because I think it will empower you to continue 
continue to make the next steps. So here's the letter. Dear food, I love you and yet have spent so much time fearing you. Now, after years of working to let you back into my life, years of connecting to all your glorious colors, textures, and flavors, I can say to you and to my body with heartfelt compassion, I am so sorry. As you come back, I realize how many of your companions have come back as well. I now live with more unfettered laughter, love, and a sense of abundance. I feel more connected to my literal gut instincts. When I feared you, I had a very hard time making decisions. Now that I can listen for that quiet but steady embodied felt sense of what I want, my gut instinct is the most important part of any decision I make. How sad I feel to have been disconnected to that source of wisdom for so long. So food... Thank you. Thank you for being so patient and willing to come back when invited. And thank you for reintroducing me to your important friends, gut instinct, flexibility, and connection. I'm so glad and grateful to have you back. When I hear others who are still keeping you at bay or hear messages that you are dangerous, I promise to not waver in my commitment to you. Love, reunited, and it feels so good. So as I read that, <laughs> that way to end it, I know that song's going to be in my head the rest of the day, but uh, I particularly picked this letter to read to you because um, I do feel like the more that we make peace with food in our body, the more we'll see that peace um, in the rest of our life and other relationships and just how we're experiencing the world. So that's why I do this work. That's why I do this podcast. And um that's why it's going to continue. So let's go ahead and listen to this episode's letter. Dear food, when I gave up dieting for good more than a year ago and started to make peace with my body, I realized I needed to eat more mindfully. I started eliminating food rules and enjoying meals with my husband and children but I'm struggling with snacking. I may eat a wholesome but nourishing and delicious meal and allow myself to enjoy without restriction. I eat to light fullness and have no problem stopping. But after dinner, and sometimes lunch, since I'm a stay-at-home mom, I want to snack while I watch TV or read. To me, having something snacky while I relax and zone out at the end of a hard day or while the baby naps, is like an ultimate indulgence. Some cookies, while I read a novel during the 30 minutes, I give myself to rest in the middle of a long day of parenting. A cheese plate while my husband and I settle in for a night of catching up on our favorite shows. I love the pairing of food and TV or books. In fact, I eat a snack whether I'm hungry or not, and I refuse to eat a snack unless I also have entertainment before me. Sometimes I like these snack moments a little too much, and it doesn't stop with a few cookies or a cheese plate. Sometimes it goes on and on and on. I can't seem to control myself at all with food while watching TV, but I generally think I can't give it up completely. Tried it. It didn't stick. People call it mindless eating, but it doesn't feel mindless to me. To me, the two elements complement one another, and it helps me unwind. But I know I often eat beyond what I need, and sometimes I feel sick and uncomfortable. Is distracted eating always bad? Can I find a way? 
from a mindful, mindless eater. Hey there, mindful eater. Thank you so much for your letter. And I am thrilled that you have brought to our attention a topic that I think is so important and I often feel a bit uncomfortable with, um, and that is mindful eating. And I hope that today's um, discussion kind of gives you some solutions and also empowers you to make the best decisions for yourself. And I agree with you in your letter. I don't think what you're doing with food is entirely mindless. I know some people would put that judgment on it. I think, um, I feel funny saying some people, (laughs) but I think some people would, if someone's eating outside of hunger, they would just call that mindless eating. But, you know, from your letter, it, for the majority of the time, it does appear that you are very aware and you are very mindful that you're getting pleasure and relaxation out of using food in this way. And something that's really important to note is that eating for pleasure and relaxation, some people call that emotional eating, you know, those are experiences that are entirely 100% normal and a part of the normal eating experience. I think, you know, every culture that you can think of has examples where, you know, celebrations or transitions or grief, those are, they, they all include food. And I don't think it's by accident. I think it's just because it's part of the human experience. And I also think if someone is relying on that to be the only way to cope with an uncomfortable experience or emotion, or the only way to zone out, well, then, you know, then it becomes something that could be, um, mentally not always the best choice. And it sounds like from your letter, that's what you're getting at, you know, that you're wondering um, if there could be another way. And I, and I do. And something that um, I, I was so happy to read your letter, because I do feel like there's this absolute kind of connection to mindfulness that um, really disturbs me. And it actually prevents me from using the word mindful attached to eating. Um, A lot of my colleagues use it, but I don't use it very often because I do think there's this connotation that feels very absolute and judgmental. And I, I really, it disturbs me because I think if we look at the root of mindfulness and, you know, the people that first started to um, utilize mindfulness to promote well-being, there, the foundation of it is this kind of awareness that also has compassion without judgment. So it's more just noticing. And that's what I really appreciated with your letter is that you notice all of that. You notice what it helps you with. And um, I really encourage you to not to be absolute with it and um, kind of to make it your own. And you know, something that I think is really helpful to do, and I read this from an author, her name is Janine Ross, Um, If you were alive during the 70s, you may remember Janine Roth. She is someone that during the 70s and 80s was really popular for her books on emotional eating and um, compulsive eating. She still has books now, too, that are really fabulous. And I'll put links to her books in the show notes for you. But in one of her books, she mentions that if a person's going to emotionally eat, what they can do is just go ahead and announce it. You know, let whoever's there, or even just say it out loud if you're home by yourself, 
but saying, hey, I'm going to emotionally eat right now. And what that does is it brings about a further connection to that awareness and promotes the relaxation and also provides a way to take away the shame that some people may feel with that. From reading your letter, um, it sounds like what you also are wanting help with are for those times where you feel like it is more distracted eating that you're wanting. It almost seems like eating and entertainment and relaxation are so intertwined together that you're looking for some alternatives, not to give up eating and relaxation entirely, but just to have some alternatives. And I have a colleague that I just started to get to know. Her name is Michelle uh, Custer. And I do hope I'm pronouncing her, her name correctly. I'll have to ask her. But I want to give her a call because she is a dietitian that I've really grown to appreciate over social media. She has a lot of similar views and she's a dietitian, has this really cool job at a grocery store. So I can't wait to hear more about that. But I want to call Michelle and see if she has any more insight for us, letter writer. Yeah, I just want to hear more about some insight that she could give us about ways that you can find to relate to food that feels relaxing, but then also gives you some options. So let's give her a call. Hey, Michelle, it's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Great. How are you, Julie? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us on the Love Food Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm still getting to know you. I've gotten to know you on um, social media and mm-hmm. your Facebook um, and Twitter account. And um, something that drew me to you is you definitely have this way of speaking about nutrition that seems to be very empowering and also like non-diet and weight neutral. So I was so excited to find your work. So, and I'm also excited to actually talk to you today too. Absolutely. Yes. That's, I'm totally into those approaches. And I, I tell people a lot, I'm, I'm very liberal dietitian, food permission and and being food positive is so important to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that we're connecting then. Well, and did you get a chance to read the letter? Yes, I did. Oh, cool. I'm so glad. And so what is your general like impression with what she's experiencing? I thought it just sounds so similar to what a lot of clients of mine struggle with as well. And I think the mindful eating piece really spoke to me. So first, I want to acknowledge for her how much progress she's made in a year talking about her meals with her husband and her children and how that's been going so well for her. And what she seems to be struggling with now is the snacking. So one line that particularly jumped out to me was that she's stating she refuses to eat a snack unless she also has entertainment. And I'm curious about what the experience might be if she could experiment with reading or watching TV without eating at the same time? And is there some expectation there that to be doing mindful eating correctly, that she must do it almost just perfectly and idealistically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that came up with me too. And I don't know about you, Michelle, but like the correct way to do mindful eating, I feel like is 
it's kind of abrasive to me, you know? <laughs> like, I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of gives me this like really bad taste in my mouth. And so I don't often use the word mindful eating because of that, because I think it does have this connotation of absoluteness, which is really ridiculous because mindful eating is rooted in non-judgmental compassion. <laughs> so yes. um, yeah. And so I, it's almost like, I wonder if there's some perfectionism coming up with um, this letter writer. I don't know if that's what you were kind of getting yes. out. Okay. Yeah. So that's tell me exactly more. exactly my thought. Um, and she talks about food rules as well. You know, she's getting away from the food rules and I'm wondering if mindful eating is becoming like a food rule for her where, well, I have to do this just right. And then when it doesn't happen, you know, all hell breaks loose and I just, I'm going to just continue eating because I'm not doing this right. And so it doesn't matter anymore. And it just, kind of falls apart. Mm, Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Because, you know, she mentions in there this really nice kind of sweet awareness of Mm -hmm. um, eating mindfully with relaxation. And then there's also those times where it feels like she said out of control. And Mm -hmm. I can see then after what you said, like an all or nothing kind of experience going on with the eating, which was kind of what she was trying to get away from in the first place, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's really I think that's really insightful. And well, what do you feel like would be some first steps for her to like help her move forward? So I think that experimentation of maybe trying to experience the mindful eating while she's not engaged in something else would be an experiment for her. So rather than looking at it as a set of rules or something she has to do just so that experiencing that in a curious way, like, hmm, I wonder what it would be like if today I ate my snack, you know, seated without distractions. And what would that experience be like? And just do it as an experiment rather than trying to do it in a certain way and be right about it and just see what comes up for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that word experiment too. Mm-hmm. That's so much like has a, a a different kind of way, a different kind of expectation than this is what you need to work on or this is your goal. Because really, um, it's going to probably take some trial and error to figure out what's going to be the right thing for her, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what are some other steps that you're thinking could be helpful? So kind of tied in with that, I think she has some expectations about what mindful eating looks like and maybe some shoulds. And she said that, you know, she's done it before and it didn't work. And I think that has a lot to do with maybe some expectations of whatever sources that she's utilized to look into mindful eating. And there's something that with intuitive eating, two questions that we use a lot um, in regards to when you, like she's saying, I'm eating and it just goes on and on and on. And so this makes me think there's some kind of emotional connection here or something she might be trying to avoid um, emotionally. So two questions. First, what are you feeling? And then what do you need? And as a new mom, I'm wondering if these times where she's taking a break and, you know, she's reading or watching TV and, and snacking that what she really might need is some rest. And, you know, maybe she's feeling rather exhausted and depleted and she needs some rest. And the way that she's resting might not be really fulfilling what she needs. So what would it be like to 
kind of just sit um, and rest for a while. And um, something that I that I love that I think it's really hard to just say, okay, I'm just going to sit and kind of rest and do nothing. Um, but if you utilize something that's rather guided, so something like an app on your phone or a meditation um, that you can utilize and turn on for literally like two minutes, it doesn't have to be a big commitment, but experience that as guiding you through trying to be rested rather than maybe the snack isn't what she needs. You know, she's hungry. Absolutely. Always, you know, honor that hunger. But if she's really exhausted, maybe she needs some real rest. And maybe some days what she's doing isn't fulfilling that need right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it's it's feeling like it's going on and on and on. It's because mm-hmm. she's not meeting the need. And I feel like that's such a great skill, especially if someone is rooted in the compassionate, non-judgmental mindfulness mm-hmm. to be able to work towards staying in the moment. So for this letter writer, when she's in that moment and she's noticing it's going on and on and on. So that's when those questions that you said, you know, what do I need I feel like if she can find a way to like get to the place where she can do that, which I feel like is so easy to say, but it's hard to do in the moment when we're in the throes of that, (laughs) especially with like sleep deprivation and all the chaos with having new little babies at home. Oh my Mm -hmm. goodness. Um, But yeah, like I feel like that's when she'll find the answer because nobody else really has that answer. She's the only one that's going to know really what she needs. Um, But I feel like that's where that's where the information is like in that moment, like what do I really need? What I'm hoping for her is she'll find a couple different things to put in her arsenal of like, whenever I find myself mindlessly eating, we're not even mindlessly eating, but just like the mind, um, being mindfully aware of mindlessly eating (laughs) almost. Um, And it goes on and on and on that maybe what I could need is some of these other things, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that would be really neat. Well, you mentioned a couple of different apps. I don't know if do you have any that you really enjoy or that you I recommend to other people. Absolutely. Um, the Calm app is probably my favorite. Ooh, I don't know about that one. Tell me about that. So that one, um, it has various backgrounds that um, have, you know, if you want to actually look at it, it has scenery that goes with it, but then there's different sounds. So maybe it's the rain or maybe it's a fireplace or um, the ocean and it has background sounds, or you can use no sound. And then it has guided meditations. So what I love is that there's even a two minute one. And a lot of people that maybe haven't experienced meditation or guided relaxation, committing to, you know, 20 or 30 minutes seems just way impossible. And I like that people can experience it for just a couple of minutes and not have to commit to, you know, a long period of time. So they can just get a snippet of what that might, what that experience might be like. And so that's my favorite one, but it has literally dozens of options to choose from. And you can choose, you know, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes up to like 35 minutes. So I think it's very customizable and they have a lot of programs which you can purchase, but there's a lot of free content. So I think that that's my favorite one. That's really cool. Another one that I've used is stop, breathe, and think. And this one I find really helpful for clients who don't maybe know how to connect with those feelings because the first thing it asks you is how you're feeling. And so you can actually choose 
different options of, you know, what you're experiencing right now, whether it's anxious or angry or anything under the sun, you can select that and it will suggest meditations for you based on how you're feeling. Oh, oh, I love that. Oh, that's really cool. And I I can appreciate, you know, a person would have need to have a certain level of awareness and like ways to label their feelings and some just Mm -hmm. like knowledge on that part of for themselves. But, you know, Mm -hmm. the thing that's really cool, I think about meditation or anything that's kind of on that same wavelength as a mom, it's, I don't know about you, but like whenever my kids see me doing something that I'm trying to do by myself, whether it's like being on the phone or send an email, um, they always want to be in my space. (laughs) You know, like, wow, what are you doing? What are you doing? But meditation, like you can just literally just sit there and have your eyes open or closed and like be meditating and a kid will have no idea, especially if you um, feel comfortable turning on a cartoon for them. (laughs) And um, if you're okay with that, which I mean, I feel like it saves my sanity. So I do that. And then they have no idea what I'm doing. And I feel like any in any walks of life, we can be at work and just for two minutes, you know, do that. And somebody could just think we're working, you know, right. <laughs> but, but exactly. we're meditating. And so we're getting the like rest and um, calmness and bringing us back to the present, like what we need. Um, I know that's super healthy for our brain. And sometimes if we're needing to like relax and find ourselves eating and eating and eating and eating, like she's describing, that's maybe one of the things you actually need. So those are really cool apps. I can't wait to check them out. So what I'll do for any listener is I'll put those in the show notes, just links. So I'll search around and get a, and get the links for you. And then you can just look on our show notes and you can click and find them really easy. So those are really awesome. Oh, I love that. And you know, I'm really curious too, Michelle, because you mentioned earlier um, working with your clients and I don't know a lot about your work. All I know is that you work with a grocery store So tell me about where you're doing your work and what kind of people you work with. Yeah. So I work for Hy-Vee, which is a supermarket chain in the Midwest. And we actually have a network of about 220 dietitians. So that's a really awesome resource, but we each work in our own stores. So it's a, it's a rather new concept, but Hy-Vee's been doing it for, you know, at least a decade and I work full-time in one store and I have an office that I can meet with clients and I teach classes and do a lot with the community and help find helpful items or allergy-friendly items throughout the store, whatever people's needs are. And the cool thing is, you know, this is where people are making their decisions about their food and where maybe they got discharged from the hospital and they go to the store and they have no idea what you know, what to buy to fit, to fit their diagnosis. And so that's, what's really cool about being in the grocery store or, you know, maybe we're talking about a product and, oh, well, we'll just go out in the aisles and, and look at it. And that's so cool. I think that's the coolest. Uh-huh. That is really neat. I am so impressed that they've been doing that for 10 years. That's yes. really neat. So do people have to make an appointment or can they just like pop by and be like, hey, can you help me find something that um, like this and this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People can just stop by and, you know, ask a question or they can make an appointment for consultations and other, uh, other services that we do. So super cool. Very neat. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, and you know, um, on this show, we have something called a food piece syllabus. And I'm wondering if those apps that we were just talking about, is that if those are something you would like to add, or if there's anything else you'd like to add to it? Yeah, the apps, definitely. And I know that you have this, the Intuitive Eating Book by mm-hmm. Evelyn Triboulet and Elise Resch. It seems to just come up 
<laughs> so much. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. So if people have maybe heard you talk about it, but um, haven't picked it up yet, it's, it's definitely worth it. Yes, yes. And I neglected to mention too, in case you're new to the podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is a collection of books and um, blog posts and also apps that can further enhance your journey towards food peace. And I kind of think of it almost like as a class that we're doing for ourselves to help our relationship with food and our body image. So I will add those for sure. And yeah, intuitive eating is on there. For <laughs> There's like a few things that I, <laughs> I feel like the show always has either either intuitive eating or a book by Ellen Satter. They're always, yes. not, they're always on there. Um, I just think those are things we should always just kind of keep on hand to um, yes. use as a resource. I know I do for myself and for raising my children and for my work, I'm always like referencing them. So well, I really appreciate all this um, time and insight for this letter writer. And Michelle, what if people want to like get a hold of you or work with you? Um, is there a way for them to connect with you? Yeah, um, probably the best way is via Facebook. Um, I'm on there just with my name, Michelle Custer and RDLD. So you can search me and, and find me there. Awesome. Well, I will be sure to put a link to that in the show notes so it'll be easy for them. And I really appreciate your time. This has been so insightful. And I hope, Letter Writer, that it gives you some places to start. And um, please keep us posted. So take care, Michelle. Thanks. You too, Julie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So mindful, mindless eater, there you have it. Those are some of our thoughts on ways for you to continue to heal your relationship with food. And I am just so glad that you have decided to stop fighting and to try to find a way to make a truce with your body. And um, I also am excited to hear about how much awareness you have in what's going on in your day-to-day, meal-to-meal, moment-to-moment relationship with food. And I think if you continue to have that awareness and add some more compassion, I think you're really going to find a way to continue to heal. And there's not going to be an absolute answer. And that's what's so beautiful and amazing with this whole process. But, you know, I'm not going to know the answer. Michelle's not going to know. I think you and food are the only ones that are going to really be able to figure out the way to uh, relax and enjoy food and relax without food. But I do think there are some solutions there for you. I see food has written you back, so let's hear what food has to say. But until then, uh, please stay in touch and let us know how things are going and uh, take care. Dear Mindful Mindless Eater, I am so glad we no longer fight. It is nice to enjoy each other's company and experience more peace. We notice at times you're judging how you're healing. We think that's getting in the way of meeting your needs for rest and self-compassion. Experiment with asking yourself what you feel and what you need. We know this will help you find your way. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. 
Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food Series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care.